Welcome to NIL Undressed. I'm your host, Ryan Schockner. And today might be one of those shows that we look back at and say, man, I knew that guy before he became a star. And I say that because we have Ruben Banks on, right? Ruben is part of the University of Alabama track and field team as a hammer thrower, right? He earned All-American honors two times. Uh, and then World Wrestling Entertainment said, man, who is this guy? We need to figure out who this guy is. And they reached out and they signed him to their WWE NIL second class, right? So class two that they did. And um, so we could be watching Ruben on WWE Raw or SmackDown in the not too distant future, suplexing like John Cena, or if The Rock makes a special comeback appearance, you know, it could be, you know, uh, in, in the WrestleMania match, taking the championship. So Ruben, welcome to NIL Undressed. Hey, man, thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm excited you're here. I want to hit you with some rapid fire questions to 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 get us going. Uh, best part of going to the University of Alabama? Um, for me, I won't lie. I think it's going to be the track program and um, athletics in general. Like Alabama has great history of football, obviously, but the track team's taken really good care of me. We have a really nice, like tight knit community. I get along really well with my throws group, so. For me, it would definitely be the sports and just generally the culture around sports here is super competitive. And uh, I really enjoy that. Love it. If I'm taking a trip to Tuscaloosa and I'm going, whether it's football or to watch you in an event, right? What restaurant do I need to go to uh, in order to get the experience? And what should I order? What's your go-to off that menu? I think... If you're coming in for like a football game or something like that, I think you'll have to go to Baumhauer's. Um, it's a little sports bar uh, not too far away from here. Really good wings. Um, I haven't had too many of the flavors, but they got some of the best wings I've had for sure. Good atmosphere. It's like a little nice outdoor seating area. You can watch the game and stuff. It's real nice. I think it's just like it's all Alabama themed. So if you're trying to get really ingrained in the culture, I think Baumhauer's is definitely a spot to go to. Love it. All right, and we'll get a little bit into this in in the show, but you originally started at Arkansas and yeah. transferred to Alabama. So if I'm in if if I'm at uh, in Fayetteville, what restaurant do I need to go to and and what do I order there? Uh, it depends what you want. I think like overall my favorite restaurant is Herman's. It's a rib house um on college. It's a it's an older place. It was actually the place um on my visit. That was the first dinner we went to. It's a super old place covered in all of like the hog stuff. Um, really good ribs. I just say get a rack of ribs, any size you want, and you can't go wrong. It's a really good restaurant. It's really it's really small and tight, but the food 100% makes it worth it. And there's a bunch of hogs fans running around just doing hog fan things. And it, it's a good time for sure. And you got to have ribs there, right? I mean, that's the, you you know, the, the home of the hogs and you got to have ribs. So. Exactly. Yeah, they they got some steaks too. I didn't have a steak when I was there, but they looked good. So ribs were steak. Awesome. I didn't go too wrong. That's great. All right, personal record for throwing, and and tell people a little bit how much does it weigh, just to put this in perspective, because this is not an easy, uh, easy event that you're in. Yeah. So I just had a PR this season uh, outdoor at Throwstown Ramona. I threw sixty-seven ninety-one. That's like. 228 feet in the 16 pound hammer so the 16 pound ball it's like 120 um millimeters in diameter it's on a 
uh, big wires, probably like a meter long with a handle and uh, spin around three or four times and you let it go. Uh, it's not super easy. And then for indoors, we throw the weight. It's like an NCA only kind of thing. Um, they only really do it in the US, but it's a 35 pound ball. So it's way heavier, but it's probably about a foot long. It's not very long at all. Ooh. So it's more of like a strength event. 35 pounds. I've thrown that 2175. Um, I was still from my freshman year. I got real close this year to PR and with 2169. Um, I got some big throws in the tank, though. I think next year I have a really good chance of going like 2350 indoors. Um, something over, you know, 75 feet would be really good for me next year. Man, that's incredible. Uh, all right. So you started at the University of Arkansas when NIL went live, right? And so it, right. You, you were recruited. Um, there nil wasn't a thing and then all of a sudden one day you wake up and bam it's it's there um and you know initially from the outside looking in most athletes took the wait and see approach or you know it was the football players and and the starting point guard and all that and the high profile programs and schools that that had deals for those athletes right but track athletes weren't really thought of as being able to participate in that, not because they couldn't, but just because of the, all the communication and the hype around NIL. Right. So what was yeah, your mindset so when NIL went live? Um, how did you view it that caused you to react differently? So I remember the exact day um, when it kind of went live. I was in the airport. I was coming back after Olympic trials my freshman year. And I was just landed in, I think I had stopped in Chicago on the way back to uh, Fayetteville. And I saw it and I was like, oh, I don't really think much of this. And I was like, yeah, this is cool, but I don't see it really helping track athletes at first. I was like, we don't have a lot of outreach. It's really hard as a pro to get sponsored in general. And then I kind of just, you know, I didn't really care that much about it. I was thinking like, it's not going to help me. This is for football, basketball players. And then started noticing some track guys were getting deals. They were small. Some of them were big. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Maybe I'll get into it. Then it was like one day I was super bored. And I was like, I'm just going to go look around all my favorite brands and see if they have an ambassador um, program. And funnily enough, my first one that I never actually did any posts about, but I got an ambassador deal with um, Axe and Sledge Supplements. And I was like, oh, I'm a little bit shy. I don't know how to get into this. So I kind of stopped that. And then Somewhere around Christmas, my sophomore year, I saw Isaac from Alabama signed with the WWE NIL. And I was like, that's a weird NIL. I don't know how that works. So I kind of did some research on that. I didn't think I was going to get in. And I ended up in study hall, just bored, sending in a form. I sent in the form. I thought, like, no one's going to look at this. No one's going to read this. They probably get hundreds of these every day. I sent it in. I didn't hear anything for, like, two weeks. I forgot I um, even did it. And then I got a call from a number that I don't know, and I was going to leave it. I was eating breakfast in the cafeteria. I picked it up, and it turned out to be one of the um, talent managers at WWE, and I'm very happy I picked up that call. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, that was one of the the, the NIL deals. Like you, like you just mentioned, you, you heard that happening, and you're like, wow, that's odd. Like, what what is this actually going to look like? And then as you start to investigate it, you're you're almost like, man, that's pretty genius of them uh, to right. do. And so tell us a little bit about that program and and what is it, what does it mean? And, and, you know, what do you have to do um, to participate in it? Well, my thing at first, when I saw it, I was like, what 
what can we bring from like a marketing perspective that the WWE doesn't already have? Like everyone knows the WWE. It's a household name. Most people have watched it or at least know what it is. And I was like, what could we do? And I was like, oh, it's a pathway program where you start in college. They support you. Then they give you a bunch of services around like media training and ring training, access to their facilities. Um, I think also they don't, they don't really say this. I think it's a good taste of just like handling larger contracts and working in a more professional scene better than like dealing with a college scholarship contract is more of a discussion. And um, where, where was I with that? I'm thinking more for me personally, I just see it as like a pathway to like, Hey, if I don't end up going pro in track and field, this is a pathway where I could come there, train, learn the sport, learn the craft and eventually be one of the top guys in the WWE one day, hopefully God willing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you see those guys turn, I mean, I mentioned John Cena, you know, jokingly in the, in the intro, but he's created just a massive brand out of that. And, Mm -hmm. and so to have the relationship now in place, which is really what it is, it's, it's the creation of that relationship to have that opportunity when you're, you know, when your main focus in the track world is, uh, when you call it quits there, I mean, that's just, that it's just super cool. It's super cool. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I mean, for me, it's just, it's a big motivating factor that like, you know, after this is done, I won't have to go to a desk job or an office job. I have an opportunity to continue using my body, doing what I love. Cause like, I'm in love with training. Like I love competing. I love winning. I love placing high. I love PRing, but really for me, it's the training. I like the structure. I like waking up every day, planning my foods. And I need, I need this type of food to help me succeed in my training and to have the opportunity to do that again and be compensated better than I would if I was a professional track athlete. It's everything to me. So, I mean, it's a big goal of mine. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and you mentioned too, the, the exposure to contracts on a bigger scale versus, you know, the restaurant down the road where you're just kind of hashing it out, you know, across the table uh, and the media training, all of that stuff, you know, even if you get to the point where you say, you know what, I don't want to do the WWE, that's going to serve you so much better in whatever comes after that, that, I, I mean, wow. I mean, that's just, it's cool that they give you that exposure and then the, to the facilities and being exposed to the people in the facilities and the relationships you build there. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a big deal, man. Like this is a big 100%. deal. Yeah. And just also getting ingrained in their ecosystem, learning the names, learning the people. Like for example, the talent manager that contacted me, his name's Graham. He is the manager for Odell Beckham Jr. I'm not sure if he currently is, but at some point he was just meeting people like that and connecting with them. Maybe at a later date, he might become useful to me, even if I wasn't in the WWE or just understanding like what a manager is, what an agent is, what a publicist is. And then also just having the WWE with your name, you're going to notice that people are starting to contact you. And like without the WWE, I wasn't able to get a publicist and now I have a publicist who's helping me set up things like this is how I got in contact with you and start to grow my um my social media my following and all that type of stuff and get me trained for you know other things in life because a lot of the skills that you learn in a, in, I, in NIL um will transfer to other things in life like handling contracts like learning to actually read through everything it's not just like 
a terms and conditions, you just go through and say yes. You got to read through everything because it gets quite complicated, especially with wrestling with like the exclusivity and all that stuff. It had, like the ex- exclusivity has a timeline where, you know, if I if I don't want to wrestle with the WWE and I want to go to another wrestling um, company, that might be time I have to wait. So just learning all those things, I think it's going to be really useful in the future, even if I don't go into the realm of um, sports entertainment or sports in general, that reading the contracts and learning that stuff and learning what all the words mean. And also like from a financial point of view where I have a little bit more income coming in now, I'm able to see what I can do with it. What's a good idea. What's a bad idea. And just having the freedom to do that at an early age where if I make a mistake, it's okay because I'm still young. I'm not playing with like my life and my job and like money that I've worked super hard for. This is just an NIL deal where I can play with now. And, you know, it was a big deal for me because it was, I signed at a time where I wasn't attached to a university, which is kind of unusual. And it was able to help me keep a roof over my head while I was waiting to um, get signed again and also feed myself during the time. So I'm really grateful I found that deal when I did. Yeah, because you wouldn't have been able to do that had NIL not been in place, right? And I, th- yeah, I think no, that's I an aspect. Yeah, I mean, that's an aspect that people that are, you know, not in favor of NIL, they they don't understand the rules uh, that you have to follow as an NCAA athlete. And, you know, that not being able to eat or or trying to find a place to live and, and sleep on someone's couch and, and, you know, hope that they're generous. That would have been your yeah. reality. But now it you you have this money that was coming in and you're able to provide for yourself. Exactly. Because, I mean, in the portal, people don't realize this at first. It's like the second you get in the portal, all your like some schools do it differently. But the way Arkansas handled it was like, you know, you lose your facility access. So you're going to have to go find a place to train. because You don't want to get out of shape. Then you're going to lose your cafeteria access. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, but I was eating three meals at the cafeteria. I wasn't having to really buy food. Um, You lose all those things. And without NIL at that moment, I probably would have had to get out of my lease and go home and take my time and find new school before I do anything further. But without that, um, with NIL, it allowed me just to stay in America, stay feeding myself, stay the same room from my head and not really have to change too much in that meantime where I was going through something that was very stressful. So yeah, uh, I'm very grateful for that. What um, you mentioned, you know, your early impression of NIL um, and then obviously you're, you're all in on it uh, now. What would you have done differently in those early days of NIL, knowing what you know now? Um, Reaching out sooner. I think just reaching out sooner. I waited a little bit too long just because I didn't really know how to do it and know how to go about it. But it's way more simple than I thought. Excuse me. Um, Reaching out sooner and just like not being afraid to get turned down. Like I'm not I don't have the largest social media following and I'm in a sport where it's not the most marketable. Like track and field is a pretty small community relatively to football or basketball. And um, I think I just reached out sooner and not be afraid to get turned down. Like who cares? All you can do is ask. The worst they can say is no. The best they can say is yes. So yeah, I think that's wrong with reaching out and getting turned down. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, and that's part of life, right? I mean, not everyone you want to be friends with wants to be friends with you. And and sometimes they, uh, you order something on a menu and they don't have it. They tell you no. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, the the word is no, and you're going to live, you know, after that, that's not the end of the world. And I think exactly. one of the aspects that a lot of athletes 
don't recognize, and you've said it twice now, it's that reaching out, right? It's it's mm-hmm. finding out what brands that you would like to align with and figuring out if they have some sort of way to reach out and, and establish that relationship. Exactly. Because it's like, you know, college recruiting is kind of a similar thing where maybe if you're not the top guy or you're not in the top position or you're not quite what they're looking for, you can still reach out and it's, there's no harm in that. And you never know. Someone might just have an opportunity for you. You, you never know. And it's not always based on social media followers, right? I think that's a common misconception is, you know, there's that influencer world, right? And and you're definitely not an influencer, right? You have influence and because of track, you probably have a a better relationship with the followers that you have, but you're not a Livy Dunn or, uh, you know, the Cavs wins who I think are also WWE uh, signees. Yeah, the um, the Cavs wins are, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, but you're not that right. You're not an influencer, but you don't have to be an influencer. You don't have to have 300,000 or a million followers. Uh, you just have to have initiative and and you never know what's going to come out of it. I mean, hence the WWE that you got. Right. I mean, they are not doing this because you have the biggest social media following. Right. They just, they see a future in me. They see potential and they're willing to support me now to get me where they think I should be. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you went to uh, IMG, right? And that was your high school, right? IMG and then to Arkansas and then entered the portal and and figured out how, uh, you know, you got to Alabama. How did you initially end up at Arkansas? And what were the things, I guess, what were the what were you looking at? What was the list of things that a university needed to have for you? We want to thank our sponsor, Success Beyond Game Day. For many athletes, the last safe place was the locker room. They could be themselves and not be judged. Success Beyond Game Day creates a locker room community for athlete development. Partnering with individual athletes, high schools, athletic departments, college and pro teams, on building their brands, understanding name, image, and likeness, how to get deals, and personal finance, all while leveraging a proprietary assessment that identifies core skills that athletes can leverage to create a competitive advantage, all while creating an environment where athletes can connect to push each other to greatness. Check it out at www.successbeyondgameday.com. So originally, so senior year, um, I had some offers. I took some visits. Um, my main schools I was looking at were Tennessee, Arkansas, and Iowa. I felt like those schools really liked the coaches, great facilities. Um, Arkansas didn't have the, the greatest stories history, but they had a really good history in track and field in general. Like most national championships by a team, a crazy amount of SEC championships. It's like 130 championships. Oh, wow. That absolutely insane um between indoor outdoor and cross country uh, a bunch of triple pounds i was interested in them and um the old head coach at img knew um mario satania who was the field event coach at img who recruited me at the time and i, I had ends with him and tennessee i liked it i just didn't quite work out with the head coach i didn't really like what was going on there iowa was a really good situation too but you know when you have Big Ten or SEC in track and field, you're going to grab the SEC just on the support system. 
the the weather too. I mean, I I went there in January and it was miserable. Oh, it, <laughs> it was miserable. They have really good food in Iowa, and they took me to see the Iowa Penn State um, national championship um, event. I don't know what they call it in freestyle wrestling or Olympic wrestling, whatever it's called. Yeah, it was a really good time. But Arkansas, in the end, for me, like academically, they were gonna sort me out. The scholarship was everything I could have asked for. The support. The coach I got really I got went along with really well, um, yeah. And just being in the SEC is the most competitive conference. Um, great history, especially in my event and the hammer and weight throw, especially. Um, definitely, just it's just all around Arkansas was the move for me at the time. I just didn't realize at the time how some programs they have their men and women or their men separated from women, and when they're split program like that, you only have three coaches. It's a uh, you have like a sprints and hurdles, a distance coach, and a field coach. And a field coach, he will coach from the decathlon, the high jump, the long jump, all the way down to the hammer throw. And that's a really tough position to fill. So I didn't realize at the point, if I ever lost that coach, there was a good chance they won't be able to find a person who can coach the decathlon all the way down to the throws. Right. So in hindsight, would it have been the best move? Probably not. But these are the things they don't teach you, especially at IMG, where they give you a lot of um, you know, college prep stuff around athletics. They didn't teach you that, like, hey, that coach you signed with might not be there by the end of it. And and yet that's a life lesson to learn. And um, I still have no regrets going there. I had a dynamite first season, second season with a new coach, it got pretty rough. But um, I learned a lot and it was a vital life lesson that I learned. And it got me here today. And there's no looking back after that. I think next year I'm gonna be able to put out something really special. Yeah. So Looking back, right? If you would have known, because on that list of the stuff you just said that was important, NIL and the support around that wasn't wasn't on the list, and that's because it wasn't a thing. Correct. How going back, what would you say to those athletes that are coming out of high school and being recruited now, knowing that NIL is a thing and having your experience in NIL, what would you add from that capacity to that list of of um, you know, traits that this, that the school was important. Well, yeah, there's two sides to this where like a lot of schools in the SEC that are bigger schools, they're building, um, they're building and hiring people to help out with NIL. Like all schools have a compliance manager only there for NIL, or if you don't have an agent or somebody that's good with contracts, they can read through the contract and make sure you're not violating anything and, um, make sure it's a good deal for you when you're not, um, getting roped into something you don't want to do. Um, so SEC schools and bigger schools definitely have that. And with NIL, that's really important. But even if you end up going to a small school, NIL, if you're making money on social media and you have a following, you're doing really well in high school, sometimes even going to a smaller college is not a bad call because you will still generate income from your NIL if you're already at that point. So like, yeah, the big school is great because you have like support staff and all that stuff. But if you already have a following, going to a small school can also be really beneficial. Like you think of, uh, I don't know his name. There's a kid at Elon University. He plays football. He was on the John, WWE. I think it's John something. I think it's John. Yeah, John something. Um, he does really well in NIL and he goes to Elon and I'm pretty sure he's a walk-on. He's made enough money that he paid for his college. Um, you can find that online. He's done some interviews about it and talking to him at the NIL summit last year, learning about what he's done. Like that kind of proves that it doesn't really matter where you're at. NIL is kind of for everybody. 
And I think another thing that's really important, it's opened up a space for female athletes to um, dominate because I forget the stats, but most of the NIL income is actually generated by women. And I think that's really important and really cool to see because women's sports tend to be quite underfunded and um, they're kind of pushed in the corner. But now with NIL, they're able to become more mainstream. You think of um, that girl in the LSU women's basketball team and the girl from Iowa. And like you said, Livy Dunn and all those people. You know, they made a name for themselves. And I'm sure just them being there from social media has increased their ticket sales and brought money to the school. So, yeah, I think it's important. I think NIL has changed a lot of things for college athletes. It's kind of shifted the balance. And, yeah, I think it's great. I think and I think you hit a good point there, right? It doesn't you don't have to go to the biggest school. And you mentioned John um, up at Elon. He's a football player. And um you know, it, it's, it's when NIL, it's, it, you know, these companies want to return on an investment, right? Exactly. And that's how they're measuring it. They don't need you to have, you know, you could have a million followers. And if you post something and, and nobody ends up, you know, purchasing the product that they're, that you're representing, then that's a loss for the company. You could have, you know, 25,000 followers. And if you post something and, and, you know, 20% of them purchase it, that's a win for the company. And exactly. so it's, and you, that's the lens you have to look at this, uh, at this through it's, it's the companies that are doing deals with these athletes that ultimately are looking for a return on the investment they're putting in. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, uh, you entered the portal, right? And I think that's a great, uh, point you, you bring up. You don't think about what happens if the coach leaves and we right. see, you know, in the higher profile sports, obviously that happens like nonstop. You're you're at mm-hmm. you know, Alabama and Coach Saban can basically punch his own ticket, but that's not the reality for you know, maybe any of the college coaches outside of maybe five or six coaches that are that are out there. And so right. having that portal really helped you and and allowed you to you know review you know look at your your scenario and your options and compete right away when you uh found a new home right so tell us a little bit about that portal experience because i think uh that's going to that's going to really give a lot of really good insight to the the athletes that are listening to this to what it was actually like you mentioned earlier it was stressful what what is it actually like going through that, and what were the risks that you were uh, taking in in going into the portal? Well, everyone's situation is different. Um, at first, like I wasn't, I wasn't cut from the program. I wasn't kicked off or anything. Uh, I just wasn't performing, and we had that conversation, and I, and I was unhappy. They were unhappy with my outcome. And it got to a point where they were like, "We want to keep you. We think we have." what we need to get you there. We're just not sure what's going on. And it got to a point with me where I was like, I think I need to go somewhere else, restart, rekindle everything. Let's get back to where I need to go. And it was just literally one conversation of me talking to the coaches. We went to compliance. We got me in the portal. You fill out a little form with your email, your phone number. Um, You watch a little video regarding your rights in a situation, what they can or what they can't do. You sign that. And then literally within 30 minutes, your phone starts going off. <laughs> um, I, I was, I did it like at 11 or 10 o'clock in the morning. I had been lifting for an hour after that. And 
Um, I had like 30 missed calls and a bunch of texts from coaches that were interested. And at first it's really overwhelming because, um, I mean, honestly, you're going to forget to call people back. You're going to forget to text people back. You're going to forget to email back. And on top of the stress of just not knowing where you're going, you can get overwhelmed really easily. Like I, I got overwhelmed. Like I, I can truly say that for good reasons. There was a lot of people interested and you're taking a lot of time to research schools. I remember one of the first nights I started on the phone with one coach at 12 PM and it was about three 30 in the morning by the time I was done getting off the phone. Oh man. Wow. When it, when it comes to recruiting, especially at that time of the year with um, transfers and transfers in track from what I've found is way more appealing to coaches now, because for one, you've done it already. You can get into a school, go to classes. You're not going to be, you know, like a little freshman running around doesn't know what they're doing. They want you just because you can come to classes, you know how to train, you know how to eat and all that stuff. It's not too much work for them. Um, so coaches, they come at you left, right, and center. I think it's it's funny. At the time, I was going through the wrestling stuff and a whole bunch of other NIL stuff. So I was kind of used to that, like giving a pitch, talking to somebody you don't know over Zoom, similar, similar to this. And you get used to it. And then I think the main thing is just not getting overwhelmed in trying your best, put your best foot forward. And don't think for a second that a school is below you and you don't want to go there because you never know what's going to happen. A lot of the times when you're a transfer, they're trying to shuffle around money and see what you can fit into. And Not every time the money is going to be perfect. Not every time the, they might not have your program, different eligibility requirements for different conferences. You might not get into the school. Um, so the big thing is just talking to everybody, making sure you keep up with every coach. Like I, I talked to, they're all D1 schools, but I talked to schools that I never saw myself going to literally until I was signed with Alabama and completely locked in because you literally never know. Yeah. And you'll be shocked, especially in track and field. There's smaller schools with really good coaches that I heavily consider. Like I heavily consider Belmont College in Nashville. They have a really good coach there. And you talk to me freshman year, I'll be like, oh no, I'll never go there. But after learning what college is about and what really is important in track and field, having a good coach, I learned my lessons and was able to use that first experience and take that to my second experience and know really what I'm looking for because I'm looking for a good coach. I'm looking for facilities. I'm looking for, um, you know, a group that I can be tied in with and want to work hard with every day. So yeah, there's a lot of things I would say. I think the big thing is talk to everybody, stay on top of it, take notes on all the coaches and what they're offering, what the school has, what the school doesn't have, take all the visits you can and just enjoy it because there's not many times in your life where, People are going to be calling you left, right, and center, begging you to come to their school. Yes. <laughs> so um, you got you got to enjoy it. Meet everybody. Uh, the hardest part was remembering all the names. It was a lot of names you got to remember. So take notes. Really do your research. Ask around, and you know, just stay patient because it will come nine times out of ten. You will find the school you need to go to, and you know, don't get disheartened if it's maybe not the school that you were looking for. Like. I mean, Alabama, that was my first choice before any coach talked to me. Like in the weeks leading up to coming into the portal, I knew I was wanting to leave and I was eyeing up certain programs. And I'm really grateful I was able to end up at the school that I really wanted to go to. So, yeah, yeah. that's, cool, the, the, the that's great is, advice. It's complicated. It's very complicated, but you just have to stay in it. Talk to people, learn, take your time. Don't rush. Yeah, that's great. I mean, take your time, don't rush and take notes, right? Because you're going to, yeah. so much information coming at you at, at one time, 
it's I'm I'm sure it's very easy for it all to start to blend together. Yeah, no, like uh, people the people's names start melting together and what they're offering starts melting together. But that's why it's important on your visit, on the phone calls, taking notes and just doing your research and don't be afraid to ask around. You know, social media is out there. Luckily in high school, I use my social media really heavily to get recruited. Did the same thing in my transfer process and I was able to connect to athletes that both schools ask them about the coaches get the ends find out what they like what they don't like and nine times out of ten like an athlete they're gonna be honest with you be like i don't like my coach i'm not having a good time here i'm probably gonna be in the portal soon it's good to know that then be shy and not ask and get there and everyone's gone right so yeah um it's good and now that you can transfer multiple times without having to sit out it makes the process way easier and i'm sure getting recruited is easier because it's not going to be sitting there for a year on scholarship not providing anything to the team so um yeah it's good uh, the portal good for me and it, it taught me a lot of vital life lessons where there were some things in my life i had to figure out like by the end of arkansas i was real depressed and i was like 291 pounds it's a big old fat kid and i was like i need to go i need to go to the gym i need to lose weight i need to get ready to go to my next school because i gotta hit the ground running and i gotta prove some people wrong so yeah well i love that mentality too the prove the people wrong mentality i mean that's the um and that's what gets you going, right? I mean, that's what gets you fighting and and get you know recentered on your goals and what's really important. Exactly. Well, it's it's a prove prove the people wrong, but you got to prove yourself wrong. That's one thing I realized. Like indoor season, I came in and I was angry. I was like, they counted me out. They didn't think I could compete at this level, and I want to come in and show them. And I realized I was getting so frustrated just trying to show them. I wasn't trying to show myself that. And this outdoor season, I've, my, me and my coach, we collectively decided to redshirt, take some time off, let's focus on our technique and our training and get better. And I realized for me to be great in what I'm doing, I have to believe in myself and love myself enough to be great. Because if you're just angry and you're not loving yourself enough to be great, you're not going to get where you need to go. Because when you love yourself to be great, you're going to tick every single box. You're going to be eating your meals on time. You're eating the right things. You're going to go to sleep on time. Taking care of yourself, especially in track with how important keeping your body in shape is, you have to be able to love yourself enough to do all the small things to get you where you need to go. Like, especially in throwing, where a lot of it is determined on the state your body is. Like, there's some days where you're not firing as well as you should be. There's some days where you're just tired. And a lot of that comes down to just sleep, nutrition, and how you're handling training. Are you going around the bumps and bruises? Are you just pushing through them? You need to go see the trainer and get your hip looked at. All those things. You have to love yourself enough to pull yourself away to make sure you're doing every small part of the equation to make sure you're getting to where you need to go. Because you you can't throw far with a messed up back. You can't throw far when you're 20 pounds overweight. You can't throw far on three hours of sleep because you've been walking around your apartment ranting and raving about how you're going to prove everybody wrong. You're not going to throw far by doing that. You have to say, I'm going to prove people wrong by showing that I am good enough to be here. And that comes with relaxing, eating your food, sleeping well, and training hard day in and day out. You can't just train hard the week of conference and want to do well. It's about 12 weeks before that. What were you doing? Was your nutrition on? Was your sleeping on? Was your weightlifting? All that stuff. Is that on point? And then you're going to start seeing things come together. Like with my PR, I hadn't PR outdoors for two years just because. I was working hard during, you know, the month before competition season, but before I was definitely throwing hard and lifting hard. 
but I wasn't eating the greatest things and I wasn't sleeping a whole mu- a whole bunch. Um, the big thing is, is sleeping and eating and taking care of yourself so you can get to the point where that comp comes and you're ready to do what you do. And you haven't changed a bunch of things or you're eating a whole lot more food now and sleeping a whole much more. It's so normal to you that you can just come out and focus on your throat. It's not like you're fighting to get the food that you want. You're trying to experiment and figure out things a month before. You've been doing it the whole year and you know what's making you feel good and um, get you to the point you're where you need to be. Yeah. So ultimately you're saying the training actually starts in your head, right? Between your ears is where the training starts and then it filters on out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it just got, it got to the point where like in the summer I lost all that weight and I realized I was like, okay, I can't lose all this weight and then put it on during school when I'm all stressed out and appropriate things by like all school stressing me out. I could just binge eat or um, school stressing me out. I'm gonna do an all nighter. It's a thing of literally, you achieve school stressing you out. You need to stay one day on your rest day. Let's get ahead so we're not staying up all night and doing work. You know that like every Sunday I'm cooking for the whole week. You know I'm cooking for the whole week, so I don't even have to think about the food. It's there, ready for me. I can heat it up. I can go to the cafeteria and get what I need. I don't have to think about it. So I can just focus on the training that day and the lifting that day. And then the sleep thing, that just, once you do that for a couple of weeks, that just becomes ingrained. Like by 9, 10, 30 at night, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. The homework got to be done before that or it's not getting done. I need to do it the day before, in the day. And that's another thing about being a college athlete. You don't realize this. It's just like you might get 30, 15 minutes in between a class or in between practice where you can just be doing a little bit of homework. And that will take you a really long way because you're not going to be staying up all night doing it. I mean, that's, one thing I wish I did freshman year was just get ahead with school because that will just make everything so much smoother. Yeah, that's great. That's a great tip. All right. So for businesses that are listening out there, give us a commercial on Ruben. Why, why are you good to do uh, NIL deals with? Well, I have you know a tight following with a lot of like-minded individuals and I have a lot of outside reach being... Um, Originally from the UK, even though it doesn't sound like it, I got quite a few followers from the UK who are really infatuated with college sports because in the UK, the NCAA is really thought highly of. Like if you're a British kid in track and field, you make it to the NCAA, you're off to do really big things. And um, being in that frame has put me in a position where I get a lot of DMs from British kids who are trying to get in the same position as me. And they're happy to follow along and support the brands that I work with. And yeah, just have a lot of outreach with different niche groups of people. Like I think the biggest, the deal that went really well for me with the state class you meets deal where I was having, you know, for throwers and strength athletes in general, quality of food is really big and you end up eating a lot of meat because you need protein. And um, the big thing for them is that it's all nice, high quality grass fed meat. And my followers and people that use my code and people that um, who are around me on the team, everyone can benefit from high quality food at a reasonable price from state classy meats in Montana. Absolutely. I love it. And you don't have to be an athlete, right? You just have to want to put the good stuff. Cause even if you're not an athlete, your performance is really dependent on the fuel that you put in your body. So you don't even have to be an athlete to benefit from it. Oh yeah. You don't have to be an athlete and, I think just the quality of food you put in your body, no matter who you are, it's going to take you to new places. If you're a guy that has a desk job, you might have that little bit more mental clarity that's going to get you a little bit more work done. And then if you're an athlete, like I w- it's crazy. It was a night and day difference when I went from um, 
going from cafeteria food, and it wasn't cafeteria food, it was McDonald's or Wendy's, because <laughs> it was cheap and quick, to taking my time and meal prepping all my food with nice, high-quality, grass-fed meat and all the different um, options they have. Using that nine-day difference, I felt so much clearer. Training was better. I wasn't in fatigue this easily. And just, this is something I was just talking to weights coach about yesterday is digestion. You know, when you're going from one day you're eating cafeteria food, the next day you're eating fast food, you're going to feel that when you're training, you know, like digestively, like you're going to feel like, you're going to feel a little backed up. You're going to feel a little funny. Your energy levels might be like up and down, but when you're eating the same thing every day and it's of high quality, food is not even a variable anymore. You're not worrying about your stomach hurting at weights. You're not worrying about your stomach hurting at practice. It's more of a thing of when things are consistent and put in, you don't have to worry about it. You just stay at a nice flat, consistent level every day. And it's funny. One of my first coaches, Mario, he talks a lot about um, raising the floor and the ceiling will raise itself. Like if you can make your, your worst days, just a little bit better. Your best days are going to be miles better. And yeah, if you can great. just stay at a point where you're doing well, just a little bit better each week and feeling a little bit better each week. When that day comes where you're peaking and you're feeling great, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah. That's awesome. Ruben, thank you for spending some time with us. Let people know how they can get a hold of you. Oh uh, yeah. Um, you can follow me on social media on Instagram, the Ruben banks. Um, I mean, that's the main social media I really use. So yeah, the Ruben banks on Instagram and I'll answer any DMS. So hit me up. No problem. <laughs> Love it. Thank you for joining us on NIL Undressed. As always, every like, subscribe, and share is greatly appreciated.